Welcome to the Bolstered Up Sports Podcast. I'm Brian Bolster. Please follow me on Instagram at bolstered underscore up underscore sports and on Twitter at BS underscore takes. Please share, rate, review, and subscribe. I appreciate all of the support. Today joining the show is OJ of OJ No Sports. He produces great daily content on the NFL and NBA on TikTok and Instagram, so be sure to check him out at OJ Knows underscore sports. He's a massive Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. So today we're going to discuss the roller coaster ride that he's been on this season, discuss how the playoff picture is clearing up, and so much more. You guys are going to love this episode. What's going on, OJ? Are you ready to dive right into it? Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's go. Let's go ahead and talk about that crazy Monday night game already being called the game of the season. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you're a betting man, but if you're a betting man, it was maybe the bad beat of the season. I know a lot of people were mm-hmm. on the Browns plus three, which, you know, it was like, okay, worst case scenario at the end there, you aren't going to win your bet, but you can push because they're losing by three. And then yeah. you get that crazy safety to lose your bet. But what was your big takeaway from that game because I saw people on both parties, Ravens fans and Browns fans, both excited after the game. So what did you think as an unaffiliated fan? Believe it or not, my biggest takeaway I could sum up in one play, and that is the play where Lamar Jackson came back. He scrambled to the right side. He had plenty of real estate to get the first down and then some, and he chose to throw it to a wide-open John Brown. And I think that one play single-handedly destroyed a lot of the narratives around you know, Lamar Jackson, oh, he's only, a, you know, a running quarterback, blah, 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 and all this other stuff. So he, he's back. And, and I'm not so sure, you know, he ever left. So he literally took over the game. And that was that was the difference in the game. Baker had a pretty good game. The, the bronze, I mean, granted, the defense was lacking from both sides, right? But I, I can't even, I mean, I love to pick on Baker more than the next guy. But he played a good game. But the story of that game to me was Lamar Jackson. He's still here and he's a bad man. So. Lamar Jackson reminded everybody that he is that dude. Um, Mm -hmm. I've had my questions about him. Definitely always considered him a top 10 quarterback. And my preseason rankings had him at eighth. Caught a lot of flack for that. Um, The main pullback I have on him is just I worry about gameplay, right? Just the things of if you get down early, can you Mm -hmm. come back? Which I always preface with, he's young. I expect him to improve in these ways. And I think you highlighted a great play that shows that maturation. Yeah, absolutely. He had Hollywood Brown open deep, and he made the decision to let it loose. So that was awesome. I also like to kind of poke fun at Baker Mayfield and the Browns any chance mm-hmm. I get. just because. Yeah, I see you in Fantalize every now and then go back and forth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just too easy. I mean, I don't know about you. I just feel like there's been so much hype around Baker Mayfield and the Browns mm-hmm. just the past couple seasons. So yeah. I don't know why. I just feel called maybe to take them yeah. down. Step Part up. of the hype is – that organization, that city, that franchise, they've just been starving for something. And now that they have any, a semblance of hope, a glimmer of light, so now it's like they're basically over, oh, da 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 Oh, man, I can't wait till you watch my the last video that I made on TikTok, man. And you're going to – oh, it's hilarious. It's basically a, a Browns fan saying that the Browns can go to the Super Bowl. 
And then I basically do a parody of the Bucks and what we have to do go to the Super So let me know what you think. Yeah, yeah, I definitely will. I'll be looking forward to that one. I don't know if you see I have this kind of like joke award that I hand out each week. Mm-hmm. And, poopy Pants Awards. Yeah. yeah, the Poopy Pants Award, which Baker Mayfield has made an appearance on. And so I've just been <laughs> a little bit of a troll on mm-hmm. my guy fanalized this week with just putting up Baker to start. But Danny yeah. Dumps, Mr. Dumps himself, he definitely earned it. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with him and his fumbling issues, but let's get back to Baker. Since there has been so much hype, and he did play pretty well last night, there's been a big resurgence from the Browns fans. Like, no, Baker Mayfield is not just okay. He's really good. He's a top-10 quarterback. Where do you stand on Baker Mayfield right now? Uh, I'm not so sure he's top-10. So, as far as the resurgence, I think generally teams tend to play better as the year progresses, if they don't play better, it's typically because of injuries or, or, or something else. But you see the Vikings, they've been playing better. I mean, you could go down the line. But to me, I think the biggest variable is they've changed the offensive scheme a lot around Baker, right? They're having him do a lot more bootlegs. They're having him do a lot more motion. He's throwing on the run a lot more in the second half of the season than the first half. And that's where Baker is comfortable. He's not a great quarterback when he's in a pocket and he has to make decisions. He has to sit there and go through all the progressions. That's not really him. And I don't know if that'll ever be him. So I think that's the biggest factor in his improved play. As far as where he he, he lies, and I mean, I think he's probably right outside of the top 10 quarterback, but I just, he's borderline franchise, but it's just, the decision-making has to be better, man. But for what it's worth, I got to give him props. The past five or six games, he's been playing very well. I don't think it has anything to do with Odell Beckham not playing. I know there's that narrative as well. I mean, I'm sure it's a variable that plays into the whole thing, but I think it's more so they've made some adjustments, particularly with the offensive coordinator, and put him in a position to leverage his talents. Yeah, I agree. And for me, I'm probably still a little bit holding back. I'd have him closer to 15. I've been saying for the past couple of weeks, though, to give him some props, I think Baker Mayfield is Jared Goff. I think he's kind of Kirk Cousins-esque, where if the running game is there, if they're protected, he could pick you apart. He could be pretty accurate. But once chaos ensues, he, as I like to say, poops his pants. But you're right, Stefanski's done a masterful job creating this offense as well as having that physical component. Last night, I was kind of taking a little jab at some Browns fans. I don't know if you noticed, in that first half, I might have missed one, but I'm about 100% sure that Baker did not complete one drop-back pass. I believe it was three screens and six play-action boots, which, hey, that's what's working. It's successful. I'm not saying don't do it, but I think there are still some of those kind of shadows in the back that Mm -hmm. this isn't just a top 10 franchise lot. Correct. And and to your point, where that is going to really play a factor is in the playoffs. We know what you excel at, and we're going to take that away. Good, Great defenses are going to take that away. They're going to force Baker to try to throw in the pocket and things. So that's what we're going to see to, t- to separate the boys from the men in the playoffs. And, and I'll be completely honest with you. When I'm looking at the playoffs, the playoff picture right now, I can't really think of many teams that I could honestly say the Browns are, are better than like confidently. May- Dolphins, I-, I could see them beating the Dolphins, but Raiders, uh, I don't know. But I-, I don't know. Like I could easily see the Browns being in the first round um, out. So we'll see. I would agree with you. I don't think that they're going to be a favorite in any matchup. Although, 
with Vegas, they probably will be a favorite. Mm-hmm. The public loves to bet yeah. them. But I'm with you there. Um, I think they could beat a lot of those other wild card teams, but they could also lose to all of them as well. Mm-hmm. Now, the Ravens are a team that's teetering on making the playoffs. I've been saying really from two weeks ago that I think they're going to win out. And I don't think that's some crazy bold call, really just looking at their schedule. This was the game that's tough. Their next three are absolutely cupcakes, in my opinion. Do you agree agree that the Ravens are definitely going to make the playoffs? And then do you think we're going to see a different Ravens team and Lamar Jackson this go around? So that's a very tough question. And so it's actually funny in my life. I was talking about that. I was going through all the different scenarios And that Dolphins and Raiders game is going to be such a pivotal game this week, that Dolphins. Because I think the Dolphins can potentially win out, but they played Buffalo in in the last week. So obviously I'm going to favor Buffalo to win that. So I think if the Raiders, or I'm sorry, the Ravens win out, I think they have a very good chance of of making the playoffs because their schedule is more favorable than the Dolphins. So to your point, they're playing well, but I just, I don't trust them, man. I just don't. I don't trust the Ravens. I and it's not just Lamar because I've seen very different sides of the Ravens. I've seen very good. I've seen very – so I haven't seen that consistency is really what I'm getting at. Yeah, I would definitely feel more confident in the Ravens if they didn't just give up 42 points. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it, like you brought up, as good as Lamar Jackson is, he's a bit of a one-trick pony. But I don't want to narrow him down too much. Mm-hmm. But he's really good at some things, but we've seen – if you can take that away, which it's not like that's easy to do, mm-hmm. he struggled. The Chargers and the Titans proved that in the playoffs yeah. again. That's just two chances as a really young quarterback. So it'll be interesting to see. I personally think the Ravens hope that they get to match up with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Am I crazy for thinking that? Actually, no, I, I, I don't. So a lot of that is the familiarity. So they'll have that going for them. And a lot of times when it comes to the vision games or division rivals, you kind of have to throw the book out, right? It's it's not that simple. I mean, <laughs> what every year that I feel like the Dolphins beat the Pats like once, you know, like every year the Pats, even when they were sorry. So, and I don't trust Big Ben either. So that that's another, <laughs> we, we can get into that later on. So I could definitely see them beating Pittsburgh. Although right now I would have Pittsburgh. I, I would definitely pick Pittsburgh if I were to choose right now. We could go ahead and get into that. So, personally, I'm kind of on the other side. Not that I have no questions Mm -hmm. about Big Ben, but I think he's actually been playing at a pretty high level. Do you think it's a lock, though? Like, I believe, I think last night cleared up the picture. But for the Steelers, they're going to clinch this division. No, I I mean, I I think it's a lock for them to clinch the division. But on a broader note, as far as Big Ben, I do agree he's been playing well. But it's just I've been watching football and following Big Ben, and he just has those big blunders and big moments. And I I hate to judge him by his history, but I just – in the running game, that's – that lack of running game, I should say, that's a big concern, although not as big. And I just – and that defense, yeah, technically they're – I think they're the number one ranked defense, but every now and then they get exposed, so. Uh, ultimately, I'm, I'm sure we both could agree it's the Chiefs to lose, right? So, A hundred percent. And I think that the Steelers, their losses, it's not as big a deal that, oh, my gosh, they lost to the Bills mm-hmm. or even they lost to the football team. To me, it's the losing of the bye. That's a big mm-hmm. deal. Not only because their bye got pushed up early in the season, and I think people have been griping about that a little too much, to be perfectly honest, mm-hmm. for Tampa Bay Bucks, what they win at least 12 weeks in a row to start the season without a yeah. bye. 
the the Steelers are kind of doing the opposite of that. But I do think, especially with Big Ben, they would have benefited the most out of any team in the NFL to get yep. that by in the postseason. Do you think it's realistic that they get bounced first round, or do you think that they do get that run game going? Because to me, that's the number one issue for them. So they'd be the number two seed, and they would face the seventh seed? They would face the seventh, which if it were today, I don't know how the tiebreaker works out, but we're just going to say that's the Ravens. That's a dangerous matchup, man. That's a dangerous matchup for for Pittsburgh. I mean, I would still go with Pittsburgh. They are the better team. And I, and I would oh, I always try to default on the better team. So, cuz I and if you're not now if I'm comparing Lamar to to Big Ben, I mean, yeah, you could say Lamar is better, but as for I, I think Big Ben has been playing more consistently this season. So, Typically, that's what I do, right? When I'm looking at playoff matches, the number one variable, in my opinion, is the quarterback. How do they compare? You know, and obviously, I look at the defense and the coaching and things of that nature. So, Well, I got to agree with you. I think you brought up the two biggest points and the consistency factor, right? Yeah. Like Big Ben, he's probably going to get the consistency nod over Lamar, as well as the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Mm-hmm. Both, of, both of those defenses are really good. But correct me if I'm wrong, the Steelers haven't given up 42 and no, they haven't. to a divisional rival you know that that is yeah. a bit of a stain who knows if that will carry over four weeks from mm-hmm. now but I think it's something to consider now staying within this AFC North I think again I might be a little bit recency bias off of last night but I think possibly the biggest question mark for the Cleveland Browns heading into the playoffs is Cody Parkey Mr. Double Doink himself is that a major issue if you're a Browns fan right now yeah, I, I mean, because you have to think these games are going to be p- close, right? You have to anticipate these games are going to be close. So uh, that that is a big issue. However, I think the bigger thing is the fact that Baker, he's been playing very, very well. So I think, honestly, the biggest thing for them, if Baker can continue to play well, and by play well, he doesn't have to be Superman. Just limit the turnovers, man. I think they're they're in great shape. So Yeah, that's right. Yeah. If Baker continues his level of play – the offensive line, the run game, they're going to at least be in every game with a chance. Right. Hopefully right. you, you know, you hope their defense, although they aren't good, can be opportunistic enough mm-hmm. with Miles Garrett to get a turnover, swing the game in their favor. But let's get to your bucks. You've got the hat. You've got the hoodie. Yep. They bounce back off the bye. They beat a surging Vikings team. And I think people are overlooking that a little bit too much. The Vikings had one five out of the last six with just one mess up against the Cowboys, which I believe they're going to be kicking themselves about, which will be the reason they don't end up making the playoffs. Right. How do you feel about your bucks off of that win over the Minnesota Vikings? Well, I definitely feel good about it and you're right. And I'm glad you said that the Vikings were definitely surging. So I think a lot of people, they put the Vikings in this box, like, you know, how they were at the beginning of the season and to beat the Vikings, I mean, you have to really deal with two big threats, right? Dalvin Cook, arguably the best running back in the, uh, the game this season. And then the dual threat of, you know, Thielen and Jefferson. And so, and those guys got shut down too. So that was my biggest concern, these two, because the Bucks secondary, that arguably that's our biggest weakness. So I'm glad we got the W. I wasn't happy that Tom Brady, he started slow. And, and that's a big trend with the Bucks starting slow. And Brady missed, man, he had a wide open grunk. And I know I'm nitpicking, but 
when it comes to the playoffs, man, you have Grunk that open, you can't miss that. Like you, when you can, you have to make the best of opportunities. So I am a little bit concerned with the slow starts uh, with the Bucks. But, you know, for what it's worth, my biggest takeaway is the secondary. The secondary played pretty well. And I think they held Thielen and Jefferson both to under, like, 80 yards and less than, like, five catches. So that I'm definitely happy about that because that secondary, biggest question mark, man, coming into the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. It's the secondary. They've been giving up big plays. And then on the offense, I think it's the run game. The run game has to get going to take some of the pressure off of the vertical passing game, in particular mm-hmm. for the Bucks, They've been getting in a lot of third and longs, obvious pass situations. You have a quarterback. He's great, but he's immobile. He's an absolute statue. And if the defense can pin their ears and go after him, that's going to make it tough. We've seen him struggle with that at times. Mm-hmm. I personally think that at least for the first couple scripted plays, Bruce Arians needs to go away from his typical offense. I think he needs yeah. to get – Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Gronk. Easy catches at the very beginning. Wide receiver screens, just easy little things, just a little stick for Gronk. Not really trying to stretch the defense too much, but just to get rhythm. Because that's what Brady Mm -hmm. has absolutely killed people on, rhythm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And let's be honest, the past three, four years, Brady's been a dick and dunk type of quarterback. Now, mix that in with Bruce Aarons, no risk it, no biscuit. So, and, it, and I think I saw a stat that was pretty startling. Uh, the Bucks, I believe Tom Brady, he's number one in 20-yard throws or more in the league, yet he's the third worst at completing those. That just shows me you're not putting this guy in a position to succeed. Now, apparently I heard Aaron said that Tom Brady's making the play call. So that's something I guess Brady would have to check himself. So I don't know who to believe, but they just need to stop forcing it. But you're absolutely right about um, uh, Rojo. Ronald Jones, he's actually been pretty good this year, but they need to simply feed him more. Yeah, it's been awesome to see him break out a little bit, an SC guy that mm-hmm. really struggled his rookie year. You know, I, there were signs at USC, like he's not very polished, catching the ball out of the backfield. There's some certain things, and they all seem to come to the forefront his rookie year. Yeah. I, I was feeling pretty bad for him. So it's good to see him break out, get to show off some of that speed with his long runs. So let's go ahead and talk about the playoffs for the Bucks. We feel good about them beating the Vikings. They're eight and five. They're pretty much a lock to get into the playoffs. Their schedule's pretty light. They do have the Falcons two times in the next three weeks. Yeah. But let's look a little bit bigger picture. Do you think the Bucks are a one and done for sure? Or are they a team that with a veteran quarterback who I call the GOAT, Tom Brady, is going to turn it on when it comes to the playoffs? It's all about the matchups. I feel confident against the Packers. And I'll be honest with you, man, I do not want to see Drew Brees, man. Like, I hate the Saints more than any other. Like, hey, you, you have to understand. I remember when Aaron Brooks was torching the Bucks, like, way back in the day. It, is, it, it didn't even begin with uh, Drew Brees, but he has our number, it seems. I don't want to see them, and I don't want to see the Rams. When you can apply pressure to Tom Brady consistently – I mean, that's that's the strategy to beat the Bucks. So I think he'll play better if we beat the Rams. We're a better team than the Rams overall. I mean, I, they do have a pretty good pass rush, but I think from top to bottom, we're a better team. I think Brady will play better. So the Saints is the biggest question mark. Believe it or not, I'm not too worried about the Packers. I don't know that the Packers have an answer for our pass rush. They, they certainly didn't the uh, first time around. So, But the Saints is just 
right now, if you were to ask me what are my expectations for the Bucks, I would say second round playoff loss, honestly. And I'm basing that on the totality of all the games we've played. The old line, it's just there's a question marks there. And then, yeah, second round, I would say. Yeah, they definitely have to take it up a notch or two if they want to mm-hmm. make a legitimate oh, yeah, sure. run. And you brought up some good points about matchups. The one pushback I'll have against playing against the Saints that I think you should feel pretty good about, it's pretty tough to beat a team three times in one yeah. year. And I think that that second loss, although it was extremely embarrassing, I think you know that's in the past. If you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that coaching staff, those players, you just kind of crumple it up, throw it in the trash, and don't think about it again. There will be some question marks about Drew Brees potentially coming back. How healthy is he going to be? I think they are a team that will struggle to expose the Tampa Bay Buccaneers secondary vertically compared to a Seahawks or Green Bay Packers. I don't know about you. I know that isn't exactly how it played out in the first times, but that's just kind of what I think potentially could happen. I agree. And, and, Make no mistake about it, this Packers team currently is much better than what uh, the Bucks beat. So I, I'm going to keep that in consideration as well. And the teams will change a lot even from week 14 to the first or second round of the playoffs. So it's not all over. It's about peaking at the right time. Right. I think the Bucks will have a good chance to do that with the Lions and then Falcons week 16, 17, some get-right games to get some positive momentum in the running game and for the secondary. Now, yeah. some more discussion that I've seen all over the airwaves, starting with Sunday night, moving to Monday, all morning, all afternoon, is with the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. Now, we know Philly fans are crazy. We know that. Yeah. no surprise. But I feel like they're pushing it to new limits in some ways. I've heard quite a few say, slow your roll, Chargers. Slow your roll, Bengals and Dolphins. Philadelphia actually got the best quarterback in this draft class. How crazy is that? (laughs) So, here's the thing, right? Now, obviously, I've been an Alabama fan you know, for a while now. I've literally watched every Jalen Hurts snap in Alabama. And I like Jalen Hurts. When he got transferred to Oklahoma, I saw all his snaps as well, right? He's not really a prototypical pocket quarterback. Now, he did a lot of that in Oklahoma. That's just, that's just because they have a pro-style pro type offense. And so, I mean, you could ham, Kyler. A lot of people could thrive in that type of offense. But I don't think he's a franchise quarterback. I, I really don't. And to say he's better than Herbert and all those guys, that's not the case. And, and, and I think it means a lot coming from me. You know, I'm a, I'm a Bama guy. People have to understand what happened with the Eagles and Saints is quite simple. The Saints did not come into this game prepared for Jalen Hurts. So what they saw, they did not prepare for. So this week coming up is going to be a very, very good example of what he really has to offer because now they're going to prepare for him because he's already announced that he's going to start. So a lot of the running stuff, a lot of what Jalen Hurts does, the Saints defense had never seen prior to that game. You know, And again, credit to their coach. They, they put him in position to leverage the things that he's good at, right? So I'll give him props for that. And a lot of it is with his feet. But definitely got to pump the brakes. <laughs> I think Herbert is the best quarterback, honestly, um, of the class. And believe it or not, I'm not basing it on stats at all. I could, and it's, when I look at him, like if I'm watching film, 
he's he's the most poised out of all the court Burrow to all of those. He's the most poised and he makes very good decisions. Now, as far as the accuracy and a lot of those things, to me, that'll come later. But he takes command very well and he's very poised. And I think that's very important. So he's my guy to me. Even though technically I'm a little biased to Tua, you know, I, I think he's uh, he, he'll be pretty good as well. But he definitely has not looked as poised as uh, Herbert. Yeah, coming into the draft, I was a big Tua fan. I think he has absolutely elite accuracy. And I think he's flashed it from time to time. Mm-hmm. But he's definitely not in a situation. And just hasn't played as well as I think Joe Burrow was. And Justin Herbert is. Right. Justin Herbert is definitely the quarterback with all of the elite physical tools. Mm-hmm. He, he could do every single thing that you could possibly want your quarterback to. In terms of Jalen Hurts, to me – It just keeps reinforcing my theory that for quarterbacks that have elite running traits, the floor is very high for them. I can't remember the last running quarterback or quarterback with elite running ability that didn't at least pop for a game or two. Even quarterbacks that ended up being really bad, like Mm -hmm. let's say Tim Tebow, that's a Florida guy, right? Mm -hmm. He at least had his time in the sun. It seems like all of these guys are at least – Denver in the playoffs, yeah. Yeah, that was an epic throw against Pittsburgh Steelers. A bunch of these guys, I know RG3 is probably due to quite a bit of injury, but we've seen a lot of these guys, hey, if you can run, it seems like you're going to flash for a game or two. So I think Hurts, just like you said, is going to be a question of consistency. Is he going to be able to operate out of the pocket? You don't have to do that 30 times a game, but you need to do it enough to take pressure off of the run game overall and execute right. in obvious passing situations, which to go back to Lamar is just one area that he struggled in. Again, a lot right. he does well, obvious passing situations in the playoffs, not so well, at least yet. Now, let me ask you this though, is the bigger mm-hmm. takeaway from that game, from a team perspective for the Eagles or for the Saints? I think it's for the Eagles, man. I think they needed it more than anything else. And I think it's a big boost of morale. And one thing that a lot of us, uh, I don't see a lot of people talking about is the the way the team rallied around Hurts as well. I mean, it's very possible that, you know, Carson Wentz, I mean, I, I don't want to say he lost a locker room, but when you get a fresh guy in there to rejuvenate the energy and the morale. So that's a, that's a big deal as well. As far as Taysom Hill, I, yeah, he's good, but... He's just done enough to not lose. It's really what it is, right? But is he a guy to go out there and win you the game? I'm not so sure. And obviously, I haven't seen a large enough sample size. So for me, I was more impressed with the Eagles' win than I was disappointed in the Saints' loss, if that makes sense. Plus, I hate the Saints. So, it, oh, man, it felt so good, man. <laughs> yeah, so. I'm sure that had to feel great. I think the story of the day was all these quarterbacks that – again, I believe rely on their feet first. Mm -hmm. Gameplay dictates so much. And the Eagles getting off to that big lead just spelled doom for the Saints. And so here's my comparison. You tell me if this is any good or not. I think the Saints, at least how they're constructed now with Taysom Hill at the helm, are just a poor man's version of the 2019 Ravens that are very likely to be knocked out in the first round. With Taysom Hill still at court. With Taysom Hill, completely agree. The problem with Taysom Hill is you're down 15. Like, can you trust him to go out and win? I'm not so sure that you can. That's really my issue. And the Saints, they do – oh, my goodness. It brings frustration. Just Like, if you look at the Saints' offense, they do a lot of 
just these little bubble screens, hitches. Uh, it's a lot of gimmicky stuff. That's all they do. And and that stuff has its its boundaries, man. When it comes to the playoffs, man, a lot of that stuff gets exposed, you know. So it's a lot of regular season, you know, uh, the gimmicky stuff. So in the playoffs, you have to have something that's a little bit more structured, a little bit more balanced. So, And we've seen the Saints struggle historically in the playoffs, even with Drew Brees. And I think he brought yeah. In right. dramatic fashion. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the dink and dunk offense, which I think just limits your upside, right? It's going to bring you into closer games, especially because it is the playoffs. You're going mm-hmm. against top-level competition. Then maybe you just get a call to go against you, and that's it. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see if the Saints can get over the hump this year. It definitely seems like their window is absolutely yeah. closing with Drew Brees possibly mm-hmm. out the door after this year. Now – to the Eagles, is there any chance they get back into this NFC East division race, win out, and possibly make the playoffs? I don't think so. I, I think the, the Washington football team are going to win. And to be quite honest, I think the Giants, if anything, has a better chance at the Eagles. But then again, Daniel Jones. <laughs> so I, right now, I'm thinking thinking Washington right now. And I'd have to look at the schedule right now. But yeah, shout out to Ron Rivera, man. He's, he's done a tremendous job over there in Washington. And he doesn't no offense, but he doesn't really have a quarterback out there. So, yeah, he's doing all that without a consistent quarterback. So, Yeah, Alex Smith has performed heroically, you know, as much as you possibly could have mm-hmm. expected out of him. And I think you're right. I think it's too little too late, even if Hurts does continue his good play. I think it's Washington's to win their schedule. They have the Seahawks, which probably will be tough, but then the Panthers and the mm-hmm. Eagles. So a lot might come down to that Week 17 game. As far as Ron Rivera, he deserves a lot of credit. He got bashed a little bit for benching Dwayne Haskins. Then that kind of turned into a mess with Haskins Mm -hmm. getting into basically like a social media war with the team following them, him dropping all the way down to third string. But I don't know about you. I think Haskins is awful, absolutely awful. He's he's no good. (laughs) Yeah, the Eagles have the Cardinals next week, which are a beatable team. Right, We've seen Kyler Murray's play dip a little bit as the season's waned. There's been a little bit of rumors about maybe his his shoulder got banged up. Then after that, they have Dallas, right? So we're looking at a team that potentially, if everything goes right, I don't think it's absolutely crazy to see them go 3-0 with the Cardinals, the Cowboys, and Washington. Would I predict that? No, but that's a pretty manageable schedule. You know what it is? It's it's the the cards, man. And I and not to say they're a great team because they're not a, like a super good team. But I just I don't know. I don't see them beating the Cardinals. The Cardinals knowing that Jalen Hurts is going to play, they have a full week to prepare for him. So it's going to be interesting to see how they come out in the scheme they have against them. So I can see them beating the uh, the Cowboys in Washington, but the cards I don't think so. And I I think they would absolutely they pretty much have to win out, right? Mathematically, in order to make the playoffs at this point. Unless yes. Washington completely loses everything. but Yeah, basically they're, they have to win out because that would mean that Washington just loses out, so they stay at the six wins, and the Giants only win one more game. So I think realistically they're going to have to win out, especially because there are those divisional matchups, right? Mm-hmm. So somebody's right. going to get a win, you know. But I agree with you. I think Washington is going to end up taking this division. It's been interesting to see – just the roller coaster of emotions that the Giants fans have been on. Yeah. After the Seattle victory, they were like, scratch the first eight games. We're Super Bowl mm-hmm. bound, right? We've made it uh, with Eli it's, it's, Manning. It's and- hilarious, man. You know how tempting 
it's been to just do what these guys on TikTok like. It's just I'm like, all right, man. But it's yeah, it's definitely been a roller coaster season for the Giants and the NFC East in general. Yeah, no doubt. And they turned on Daniel Dimes, Danny <laughs> Dimes, as I'm calling him, so quick. Yes, uh-huh. immediately they were like, oh, we need to go back to Colt McCoy. Mm-hmm. We beat the Seahawks with him. It's like, yeah, the offense still only scored 17 points, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, <laughs> I've been giving yes. some Giants fans some flack, and, like, basically if you get to 21 points, it's a wrap. You, you beat yeah. the Giants. Yeah, basically. And, I, and Danny, I don't – he's not it either, man. I, I, I almost put him in the same category as Haskins. He's just not it. The, the turnovers, I don't know when the last time I saw a quarterback with turnovers issues as bad as him like he's literally been averaging two turnovers for the past like 20 games or so it's it's bad yeah he's setting records with it him and ryan leaf up at the top you don't want to be in that company so i would agree if i'm a giants fan if i'm the giants gm i'm looking to move on from daniel jones we'll see they seem to be loyal to their quarterbacks up in new york so i i could see them holding on to him for another Mm -hmm. year now another new york quarterback josh allen has been absolutely incredible this year, proving me wrong. I'll be the first one to admit that. And he, although I don't think he's going to win MVP, he's put himself in that conversation. I think he's got to be at least in the top four. Do you think this is the real Josh Allen that we're going to get moving forward this season and then particularly when it really counts, the playoffs? Are we getting an MVP-level quarterback? It's hard to tell, man, but he's flirting with, man, is this guy a franchise quarterback franchise caliber quarterback like I'm really flirting with that idea but I just I'm I'm not quite there yet right so and you're right and you're not the only one he's proven wrong he proved me wrong as well right because coming into the season my mindset on him was he's more of a game manager slightly better but no against Pittsburgh he went out and won that game like make no mistake about it and and, and the the one-two punch with him and Diggs oh my goodness it was phenomenal I mean Diggs was unstoppable at one point in the game so I don't know if I'm quite ready to put him in top five yet. I just, I have to see more, man, particularly in the playoffs. I have to see more. But listen, he's he's not turning the ball over. You know, he's running well. He's passing well. He's just, he you know what it is with Josh Allen? He knows who he is, man. And, and a lot of quarterbacks don't know who they are. And he plays within that acknowledgement of who he is. I don't know if that makes sense to you or not. Like, he really knows who he is, man. And he plays to his strengths yeah I completely get what you're saying and I think that's what the Bills coaching staff has done is such such a great job Mm -hmm. of with Brian Dable the offensive coordinator they've got that machine rolling up there and they're utilizing everything that he does well and not asking him to do anything that he struggles with and I will say in our defense for being wrong about Josh Allen he's absolutely but the trend right we've seen Mm -hmm. with quarterbacks if you're inaccurate under 60% completion in college, you don't turn into an accurate quarterback in the NFL. And he was inaccurate for his first couple of years, and then all of a sudden, that switched. So you just got to give him credit. He took a major leap, yeah. And I share the same question mark with you, though. When it comes to the playoffs, what are we going to get from him? Because he's going to have, you know, some kind of ghosts of playoff past with last year. And mm-hmm. the fiasco that happened against the Texans. So I think he's definitely – he's overcome some obstacles this regular season. Now it's time to prove it in the playoffs. Sticking yeah. with the MVP conversation, do you have a clear-cut front runner at this point? Aaron Rodgers, hands down. 
<laughs> I shouldn't say hands down because Mahomes could sneak in there. It, Mahomes seems like he's on pace to possibly throw for 5,000 yards. But to me, it's Aaron Rodgers, right? If the numbers are at least close, it's Aaron Rodgers. I, and I think we can both agree that he's done more with less. You know what? On another note, Aaron Rodgers, I, I feel like he gets disrespected. I, I hear people say, oh, yeah, last year he had a down year. It's like, no, he went like 13-3. and three. Like, you, you forget. Like, so it's, yeah, I, I think it's Aaron Rodgers, man. And, and in my opinion, he's probably, not to count Mahomes, it's a little too early, but aside from Mahomes, he's probably the most talented quarterback I've ever seen in my life. I can honestly say it. He's not the GOAT, that's Brady, but he's probably the best quarterback that I've seen. In year whatever it is, he's still playing at a very, very high level. Yeah, I think from a pure arm talent standpoint, again, not including Mahomes because it's such a young career, I would agree that that's the best that I've seen. I think some older heads will say Marino, which I never got to watch in person, but he was absolutely blown away the uh, passing stats for mm-hmm. his time. But Aaron Rodgers has been absolutely unbelievable this year. He's proven all the doubters wrong that he's not done, not even yeah. close to done. And I don't know if the Packers deserve credit for drafting Jordan Love and sparking this fire mm-hmm. or if they deserve to get slandered because they obviously could have used different pieces than Jordan Love and A.J. Dillon with their first two draft that's, picks. That's a good point. Yeah, they, they could have definitely used someone in the defensive line because they don't get much pass rush. Yeah, they got Darius Smith, and that's about it. Kenny Clark has not been producing like we're used to. Mm-hmm. I agree with you that Mahomes could possibly get back into the discussion, and I think the main factor is – if Mahomes can get to about 42 touchdown passes to where he can be close to Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers is probably going to have the better stats outside of yards, no matter what. But if Mahomes can get close and they go 15 and one, and you're looking at the Packers, maybe going 12 and four, I could see Mahomes getting the nod. Would I bet on it? No. I think it's definitely Rodgers to lose at this point. But that's the roadmap I could see to a Mahomes MVP. Looking at the Packers' schedule, I think they play Titans. I want to say they have one really hard team left, but that's it. So, And I don't foresee Rodgers throwing many picks. Same with Mahomes, but you're absolutely right. It's definitely Rodgers to lose. I mean, all things held equal at this point, I, I think – Rogers should definitely get it. And we and I don't know if whoever votes for the MVP, I don't know if they include things like your team and stuff like that. Because to me, the Chiefs, I mean, certainly on offense, those guys are Travis Kelsey may end up with more is it receptions or yours? Then <laughs> he might lead the league in rece- it's either reception or yours, but that's never done by been done by a tight end. That's a receiver thing. So yeah, I think it might be yards because I think Diggs is going to end up leading the league in receptions. Reception, okay. Against that yours. game against the Steelers, he already eclipsed 100 receptions. Mm-hmm. So, like you mentioned, that that connection between him and Josh Allen has been incredible. Now, yeah. do you think the Packers are definitely the best team in the NFC? I think it's the Saints. With Drew Brees or with regardless? Drew Brees. With Drew Brees. Only with Drew Brees. And the reason, honestly – when I look at the Packers offense, which is obviously better than the Saints offense, but the Saints defense compared to the Packers defense, that gap is more is considerably higher than on the offense. I don't know if that makes sense. And that's really to me what it's gonna come down to. The Saints defense is, is pretty good. And they've been getting a lot of pass rush with Cam Jordan and those guys. So and to me, that's the difference maker, especially in the playoffs. And if you look at Aaron Rodgers, historically speaking, a lot of the playoff losses is partly been 
because of lack of defense. He'll come up, you know, with a lead and then they'll end up losing the lead because he has no defense. Like, so with Drew Brees, yeah, I would say the Saints. I would have to give them the edge. Yeah, I would probably lean towards the Packers at this point just because of the quarterback advantage. But I agree with you. There is a large gap currently between the two defenses in the Saints' favor. I don't think that you can count out the Rams right now. I know I'm personally a little hesitant to say that just because of Jared Goff versus two absolute Hall of Fame legends. But we've seen Jared Goff play at an elite level when he's protected, right? Yes, his moments. Yeah, and they have the run game going. That defense has been incredible. They have two top-notch playmakers in Donald and Ramsey. So I don't think you can count them out. And then I'm still – I'm not going to count out Tampa Bay and Tom Brady until it's over. Right? They're not the favorite to me. I'm not calling them the best team in the NFC. But I do not think that you can count them out. They're talented, although – maybe not quite in the right places, right? Like I would any day trade Antonio Brown for a top-notch corner for them or, you know, a different position. And I do think – actually, let's stick with this just for one more second. I think personally that the Tampa Bay talent level is way overhyped. What do you think? It's overhyped in that the talent hype doesn't reflect the production. So that's really what it comes down to, right? Because coming into the season, right, you look at a team like the Carolina Panthers. DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson have been very, very productive. But not a lot of people are saying they're some of the top duos in the league in terms of receivers. But to me, it's all about production. And Antonio Brown has been more or less a non-factor for the Bucs. Scotty Miller, Tom Brady does seem to favor him, but he's in and out of the game. He might get like a reception or two here. You don't hear from him for like two quarters and then he'll get a touchdown. So, and Brady's connection with Mike Evans, that's another weird one as well. So uh, they're all over the place. This is a classic example where sometimes less is more. You know what I mean? So, I mean, how many receivers do you, do you need, right? Fit matters. And I think that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a lot of players have to gel over the season with absolutely mm-hmm. no offseason. They haven't played much together at all. But uh, the reason I say it's overhyped, I agree with you in terms of talent versus production but also I I feel like people are throwing out oh they have Gronk they have Antonio Brown like those guys didn't retire and were out of the league Mm -hmm, for a season mm -hmm. plus right I feel like all this is being thrown at Tampa Bay because personally I think people are a little jealous of them this year getting Mm -hmm. the quick turnaround going from Jameis Winston to Tom Brady, you know, starting to bring in free agents, all of that kind of thing, getting a lot of hype over the offseason, yeah. which I believe is deserved. Again, they're going to be a playoff team, which is good. And then once you're into the contest, who knows what's going to happen. And now that this is coming up, I just want to stick with the Bucks just for a little bit longer. What, how do you feel about Jameis Winston? i got to take a sip of water for this one. I have a uh, extremely high – you know what? Before I lay into him, let me just talk about Jameis Winston as a person, right? So I actually have buddies that live in Tampa. They've seen Jameis at restaurants and stuff like that. He's a really nice guy. The city of Tampa, they love him. He's a family guy. And I know the whole crab thing and some of the knucklehead stuff he's done, that's probably – that narrative is still alive. But his teammates, they love him. And he's, he's a good guy. But as a player, terrible. And you know what's crazy? So I'm on Facebook, right? And I, I'm, on, I'm part of a couple – Bucks Facebook groups and you would be shocked at how many Jameis Winston apologies there are 
so many Bucks fans, they don't like the fact that we have Brady. They wanted another year with James. I'm on the complete opposite end of that. And the problem with Jameis Winston, I've followed him since college, right? Since college to the pros, he has still yet to get rid of his biggest weakness, which is decision-making. He's a horrible decision-maker. And it's so fitting that his very first NFL pass, which was against the Tennessee Titans, was a pick six. And his very last NFL pass with the Bucks was a pick six. That poetically sums up Jameis Winston as a quarterback, man. It's And he has all the talent in the world, man, but that decision-making is not there. Like, this guy will be within his own 10-yard line, backpedaling. He'll throw – like, it's it's outrageous, man. And this is coming from a guy that I've, I've actually gone to Bucks training camps and I've seen him make those decisions in real life live. Don't even, not even games. I've been to a bunch of Bucks games. I've seen Jameis in training camp. He's doing this stuff. That's how I feel about him. I will say so on another note, I did kind of feel bad for him with the whole Taysom Hill thing. It's a little embarrassing. You get brought out to the Saints and they're like, you know what? Uh, we're going to try this running back a.k.a. quarterback, Taysom Hill. Let's see what he has before we even try you. So um, that's how I feel. But the, I will say one last hot take. The Bears should consider Jameis Winston in the offseason. So that's something I, I just want to throw out there. But that's how I feel about Jameis. This is fortunate, but decision-making has been just, just awful. Yeah, I agree with you that the Bears should consider all options. They're not too good for any quarterback yeah. <laughs> when you're going from Trubisky and Foles. But the – the truth about the decision between Hill and Jameis Winston probably stems back to what you mentioned, seeing for yourself in training camps. Sean Payton's probably seeing that in practice and was like, man, I just can't. I, I didn't this. think about that. Right? Like yeah. Taysom Hill might not win us games, but he probably isn't going to lose us games, and Winston mm-hmm. might do that, right? The craziest thing to me about Winston is the love that he's gotten the second he's not a starting quarterback anymore. The second Tom Brady struggled, there was a lot of people screaming, oh, we need Winston. Winston can throw picks. What do we need Brady for? Like, we should have just stuck with Winston. And even with the Saints, I heard people calling for Drew Brees' head after the Raiders game, after a couple of his poor performances, and we're like, I'll stick Winston in. And I just think people have such a short-term memory then. Very short. Like, it, yeah. 30 picks. 30, 30. picks. Like Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz, as bad as he has been this year, was only on pace for about 22 interceptions, mm-hmm. right? Like, he set records the 30-30 club. That's Jameis Winston on his <laughs> own. Like, I just can't believe how much people have fallen in love with him after he lost his starting job. I don't know. I made this whole video about, like, I think people's favorite position in football is the backup quarterback. Like, the yep. backup quarterback all of a sudden has superpowers. If things are going wrong with your team, just throw in the backup. And yeah, I guess absolutely. Winston is everybody's favorite. And a lot of that hype is from Bucks fans themselves. I mean, I have a good friend of mine, Hakeem. And he's just, this dude's a super big Buck fan. He's just, he sits there and says, oh, we should have kept uh, Jameis Winston because every quarterback does very poorly under Bruce Aarons the first season. But the next season, <laughs> he started bringing up stats like Big Ben and Payton. I'm like, come on, man. Like, no, Jameis is who he is. This is... What, last year was, what, his fifth year? Yeah, I mean, you are who you are at that point. You are who you are, man. There's a lot of guys, I hate to say it, you know, the Matthew Stafford, Philip, a lot of these guys, they're just, you know, above average, but they are who they are, and they're not going to really get you anywhere. 
Yeah, I agree. And again, just like getting back to the coaching with Sean Payton, I think that's the coach's number one thing that they want to avoid is putting somebody out there that might just cost you the game. No matter what else happens, everything else can be going great. And Jameis Winston might just take it from your team. Although, like you mentioned, he does have the talent and he can win you some games. But I've just been shocked at both Bucks fans and Saints fans calling for Winston and they just must have forgot about 30 interceptions. Yeah. I, I, my mind was blown. I was not ready for that this season. Like, but, if, if, if you're a quarterback and you throw 30 touchdowns, that's a pretty good season. Like, I hope people know that. That's a pretty good season to throw 30 touchdowns. But 30 interceptions, sheesh. That's like throwing 55 touchdowns. The opposite of that is throwing 30 interceptions. Yeah. Like, that's how amazing that is. You have to be trying. I mean, that's averaging two picks a game. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty incredible stuff. But let's get to the Super Bowl. Again, we're a couple weeks out of the playoffs. So it's time for hot takes, our way too early predictions for the Super Bowl. Who are you taking to go to the Super Bowl and to win it? So definitely the Chiefs. I think we both agree that. But for the NFC, I'm just so torn, man. I've been telling the guys on the live all last week, I, I got to go with the Packers. And I know I'm contradicting myself. I know that I said that the Saints with Drew Brees, they're better. But it's just the way that Aaron Rodgers has been playing and just – I just think that it's possible the Packers will end up avoiding the Saints and the Saints will possibly lose before they meet each other. But it's, it's hard to deny Aaron Rodgers. So right now, tentatively, the fickle pick for me, Packers – and Chiefs, and that that might change tomorrow. I might say the Saints tomorrow, but Packers and Chiefs. And by the way, the Chiefs—they've looked very good. I think they've only lost what one game, one or two games this year. That's one, fun. yeah, just one. Was it the Raiders? They lost. It was the Raiders. Game? It's the a Raiders. divisional game. Yeah. They yeah. still put up thirty plus points. Yeah, and they've looked good, but there there's been a lot of stretches where they haven't looked that great. So they're definitely beatable, right? I. I don't think they look as dominant this year as they uh, they did last year. So, man, I would love to see the Packers. I mean, obviously, I would love the Bucs to go to the Super Bowl. If that can happen, I I would love for Packers Chiefs Super Bowl, man, like 42 to 45. To answer your question, right now, tentatively, I'll I'll say Packers and Chiefs. How about you? I definitely agree with you. Chiefs are going to make it there. I will be surprised. Not that they're completely unstoppable. There's no way that they're losing – but at the same time, I'll kind of say that. Like, I'll, I'll be shocked if they lose and don't make it to the Super Bowl. They have an on-off switch like no other. Out of the NFC, I have no idea. I honestly could see five teams coming out of the NFC. I could see your Tampa Bay Bucks coming out of the NFC representing them in the Super Bowl. I think the smart pick is with the Packers, right? The safe pick, I always believe in betting on quarterbacks. I think the sneaky team, not that they're that sneaky, but it's the Rams. Yes. Yeah. Their defense, we've seen this quarterback and coach combination make it. So I think if I was betting, I actually would bet them because of the odds. But again, my hot take is going to be that the Bucs make it to the Super Bowl. Tom Brady in his 43-year-old season is going to just silence everybody. That I, just, I, just, I just hope he does because there's been so much talk about this guy would be nothing without Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. And so many people, I guess maybe let's end it on this. I think it's absolutely ridiculous, even that I felt this coming into this season. If Tom Brady played bad, 
people were going to use his 43-year-old season to say that actually he wasn't good for the 20 years that we saw Mm -hmm. him. Is that fair to you? Or is even the Belichick versus Brady debate, does that have any credence to you, any validation? No, it does not, right? And, and again, if you're a student in the game, you know that, okay, so Bill Belichick got his start with the New York Giants as a defensive coordinator. Obviously, he has Lawrence Taylor. You're going to succeed. Then he goes to the Browns. I don't think he has a losing, a winning record with the Browns. I think it was their three years. Then he goes to the Patriots, and they had, what, Drew Bledsoe? It wasn't until Tom Brady till where they actually got really, really good. To me, long story short, I think the greatest variable and the quality of a football team is the quarterback. I think that variable is bigger than the coach, the GM, the owner, everything else. Now we can argue about, you know, how close it is between a coach or a quarterback. To me, the quarterback is hit 100%. Listen, I, again, I've been watching football for a while. I remember the, the playoff games with Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning when Tom Brady went out there to win the game, like him beating the Chargers. And I'm talking about the Chargers team with Phillip Rivers, Sean Merriman, uh, LT, like, you know, all these guys, you know. So, to me, it's Tom Brady. Now, he lost a little bit of the arm strength and um, some of the decision-making is not as – but I, I wouldn't even say the decision-making has been poor, but it's just that's not his comfort zone, you know, the, the deep throws and things of that nature. So, for what it's worth, his stats are actually decent given his age and everything like that. So, but it's just I think we're in such a microwave, you know, society in terms of sports fans and how we view things with the recency bias and everything and just the expectations they had or have for Brady they're a little little too much a little unreasonable so but I obviously as a Bucksman I would man if you were to win a Super Bowl how crazy would that be that would be one for the books man it would be insane but it's kind of insane that he's 43 years old and has thrown 30 touchdown passes this year 30. Yeah. That's absolutely crazy. He's blown away anything that any other 43-year-old quarterback has ever done combined. It's mm-hmm. absolutely incredible. And I feel like people have forgotten what, like, prime Tom Brady looks like. Like, he was the guy throwing for 50 touchdown passes. Yeah. Right? Like, and again, that was the year with Moss and, and whatnot. I get he had some elite weapons that year. But I feel like it's been so long. His career has been so long that people have forgotten that this isn't the version of Tom Brady that we've seen forever. I just think that's ridiculous as yeah. well as the, the Bill Belichick versus Brady. Their success is tied together. You can't untether that. Not to throw shade at Bill Belichick, but just to provide some context. Bill Belichick, with a sample size of just under 100 games, has a losing record without Tom Brady. Outside of the one year with Matt Castle, right? Mm-hmm. I think even if you include that year, he still has a losing record. It's close to 500, but that's over 100 games, which I think yeah. proves that it's not all Belichick, just like Absolutely. it's not 100% Brady. Yeah, I mean, and, and to even use a more recent example, you look at the Patriots this season, they've been as good as how good Cam Newton has been, right? Cam Newton's quarterback play has been the biggest variable. And that's not to take shot at Belichick or anything, but when Cam plays well, they do well. When he plays awful, they do really, really bad. You know what I mean? So, and even then that offense is just a, a very, very basic Carolina Panthers RPO type, you know, offense. And when teams catch on to that, it's like they don't find success. So yeah, definitely agree with you on that one. 
Yeah, and I don't know if it's if it's quite fair to put all of this on Cam. There's been some questions about his health, and this is yeah. an older version, not that he's 43, but he's not in his prime anymore. But I do think if you're somebody who has been a Cam Newton detractor or doubter, this kind of proves credence to maybe the issues were all along with Cam Newton in terms of his schematic deficiencies if that makes sense. Like a lot of the the coaching staff with the Panthers cut a lot of flack for, we need to do more with this offense. I think it's maybe coming to light that Cam Newton, again, kind of similar to Lamar Jackson, he has some things that he does very well. He has some areas that he, he lacks in a little bit, although I do believe he's a better passer, maybe not this year, but over his career, he's a better passer than what Lamar Jackson has been. Yeah, I agree. And I, I will say this, though. I think, and this even extends to the NBA, but largely quarterbacks that are very, very athletic and that are very mobile, Cam, Lamar, Kyla, sometimes it can be a weakness because they know they can run. They know they can take off every single time. And what that does is it limits their patience because they can just go. But when you have a Mahomes and a Rodgers or even Russell Wilson to a lesser extent who are pretty mobile, who can run, but they're not as like crazy athletic as a Lamar or a Kyler. They're more patient. Okay, I know I can run, but I can also pass. So I think that's where that that extreme athleticism can actually be a curse in disguise in a sense. I don't know if that makes sense. So Kyler Murray, especially this season, there's stretches where he doesn't do anything. Like he's, he's completely locked down when they force him to play within the confines of a pocket and things of that nature. And again, a lot of that is he knows he can take off every single time. So to not know that, someone like Tom Brady that knows, that, listen, man, I, you better believe that he's going to be perfect on reading all of those progressions and things of that nature. He doesn't have a choice, you know? I think that's a great point because we've seen a trend with these really athletic quarterbacks that are really hard to tackle have really high sack rates because – They try to run more often. They try to extend plays even longer. And because you said they are so good at running, when pressure does come, their eyes drop. They're no longer looking to pass. They're looking to run, which if you do have quality contained, you're Mm going to be able to bottle them up and get a sack. All right. Again, this has been a great conversation. I appreciate your time. Go ahead. Let all the listeners know where can they find you at? What kind of content are you producing? Yeah, sure. So I'm mostly on two platforms. That's uh, Instagram and TikTok. And it's the same username, which is OJ knows underscore sports. And, you know, I do a lot of football takes. I do a lot of basketball takes, MMA. I do a little bit of everything, but primarily I cover the NFL and the NBA. And every now and then, you know, I'll throw in a little humor there as well. And I'm not afraid, you know, to be silly and things of that nature. All right. Again, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me too. Yes, sir. And again, I've just got to say, you have great content. I enjoy watching all those videos. Thank you. Appreciate I think you. you do bring a good blend of humor as well as knowledge. And I believe that you're pretty objective, even about your Tampa Bay Buccaneers, mm-hmm. which is always refreshing. I'm a oh, Titans yeah. fan, which kind of oh. helps keep me in check as well, right? Oh, I did not <laughs> We're know that. We're just kind of like nine and seven central and not <laughs> too much of a social media presence. So, you know, I, I feel like that kind of helps me stay objective and not get too loud and obnoxious about it. All right, see you later. All right, thank you so much. Have a good one.
Thank you for listening to the Bolstered Up Sports Podcast. I'm Brian Bolster. Please follow me on Instagram at bolstered underscore up underscore sports and on Twitter at BS underscore takes. Please share, rate, review, and subscribe. I appreciate all of the support. Y'all make sure to go check out OJ Knows underscore sports on TikTok and Instagram. You already know more great content is going to be coming around the corner with the NFL playoffs and NBA season right upon us. Y'all stay tuned.